The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bengals fans are amazing. They're resilient, they're tough, but they're fun. And I'm I'm really excited to hopefully meet a lot a lot more of you. Isaac has the big game. Then we became a real balanced offense for the playoff run, which I thought was really important. He put on the greatest route running exhibition I have ever seen in my life. He was he was football 24-7, and that was the greatest part of, of Chad. Times at times the early part i would tell him when we were throwing deep passes i said don't wait too long you know because i'm gonna get away if you ain't gonna have the arm to get there so you know i want to run to the ball you know well it looks like duke's in a waiting room i don't want to keep duke waiting he gave us a very limited amount of time i know he's a busy busy man duke what's going on big dog how you doing buddy jim how are you man thanks for having me on yeah i'm real busy i'm sitting on my porch yeah well hey I'll have a little drink going on there. You know, Joe Burrow has played in big games his entire life, and I would think he will be a steady hand at the at the, at the bow of the ship. And uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they take him all the way to the Super Bowl. I really wouldn't. Do it. Live from the Betfred Studios in Greater Cincinnati, Ohio, it's Bengal Jim and Friends, brought to you by Gold Star Chili. And without further ado, here is Jimmy. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for uh, tuning in today, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Look, I'm excited about tonight's show, guys. Uh, we're going to have a really good friend uh, of ours, Gary Burley, uh, part of the, the Bengals defensive line, the old web defense back in the uh, 70s, played on the Super Bowl team in 81. Uh, GB is one of the classiest dude you ever want to meet man so he's got a a book out that we're going to go through he's going to give us kind of a psa and some awareness things that he's been dealing with but man the stories that he's going to share out of this book guys is, is going to be amazing so uh make sure you type in any questions for gary we'll, we'll make sure we throw them up there as many as we can uh, gary be with us the first maybe 20 minutes to half an hour um talking about some things and we're going to 
go through some old Bengal videos of him as well. But we're also going to talk a little bit about Jungle to the Hall 3. We're going to talk a little free agency as well. Um, Tom and I uh, pre-show was talking about Irv Smith. So we're going to dig into some free agency discussion here as well. I think the Bengals have done a hell of a job uh, in free agency. But, uh, Tom, let's talk before we bring uh, GB on. Let's talk about on this date in Bengal history. It is April 2nd, 2004. Something happened at the stadium uh, that day. What was it? Well, it's a little bit like my backyard after this last winter, uh, Jimmy. The grass just is not working. So the Bengals uh, announced and started the installation of uh, the artificial turf, which is still there. Uh, it's been there replaced uh, many times. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the grass uh, never grew those early years at Paul Brown stadium. So, uh, they, uh, they made some changes. I, you know, you can remember that bitter, whether it be muddy and, and God awful, or then when it would get bitter cold, like that game, we beat the, the, uh, the team from Pennsylvania, uh, it would, you know, it would be, you know, dusty and crusty and, and horrible. It looked like watching, you know, NFL films from the fifties and the sixties, which never bothered me, but certainly bothered the players and the players union. So, uh, the Bengals adjusted and got uh, modern field turf. Yep, I I never forget, man. I'll never forget it. It was it it was the field looked bad for a few years, really bad uh, with that grass. I, I tell you who who hated that turf more than anybody. Remember Neil Rackers, our place <laughs> kicker. <laughs> Neil Rackers. I, I every time he kicked a field goal, uh, the snap would go back and it'd be in some god awful divot. Or something, and he would he would miss his kick. Uh, there was was one game we we beat the Jaguars, and the kicker ran over to him after the game and didn't say congratulations, hi, or anything else. Just said good luck, you know, kicking on this bleeping turf. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, the Bengals waved the white flag on the grass and and went with the field turf. Yep. Well, let's go ahead. GB, uh, Gary Burley is in the waiting room right now. We're going to go ahead and bring Gary on and see if uh, our connection still works. It was working fine earlier. GB, how you doing, buddy? There he is. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you, GB. Sound good. Okay. Um, good afternoon, guys. I'm glad to see you, and I want to do anything I can to make this happen. Yep. All right. So let's let's talk about a few. We want to talk about the book, Glory, the Struggle for Yards. But GB, I mean, I think if you're able to, let's start. Let's share some of the things you've been through, and I know you want to create some awareness uh, for for some of the things you've been through that might help others as well. So we've got some pictures and stuff we're going to go through. Some some players in this book that that you guys uh, have that will be in about two weeks for publication. Uh, we'll get that link out when it comes out. But okay, uh, what do you want to hit on first, GB? I think you wanted to hit on some awareness stuff. Jimmy, I think we lost Gary. I'm, I'm here. Okay, can you hear me? Uh, there we just there, but that was just it. We, we couldn't are. see you before. There you are. Yeah. You're back. Okay. You're good. You're I'm good. good. Well, listen. Um, in two in two in 2014, I was diagnosed with uh, cancer, and I had uh, I was in the hospital for four months, and while I was while I was doing there, um, while I was there, Dave Smith called me on the phone and started talking about this book. And in 2014, Dave, Dave passed away and we lost touch and, you know, we, we, we didn't talk about the book anymore or what we wanted to do. So it went for maybe 
two, three years before we started working on the book again. And that's how we got it. So I, I suffered with cancer. I beat that. Uh, I got the bone marrow transplant. Then I got the uh, kidney transplant and so on and so forth. So I had a, a bunch of uh, illnesses that God saved me from. So to make a long story short, this book is my history. But not only that, it's helping a lot of people that are suffering from kidney disease, from um, cancer, the whole nine yards. So it, it's it's a testament to me, along with a testament to other people, because we're we're all helping each other. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think one of the things I think we've talked about before is, you know, um, sometimes us as men we think we're invincible. You know, <laughs> we we got something going on. We yeah, it's just going to go away. But early detection, a lot of this stuff is pretty critical, right? Yeah, it saves your life. You know, so, early detection. I mean, it's a simple um, test to get, blood test, to find out if you're a candidate. Well, not a candidate for cancer. That's not a good thing to say. But it's, it's, a, it's a simple blood test that, that'll tell you if you're a candidate or not, you know, for cancer. So my, I've got a staff of doctors. I've got like... Um, <laughs> 14 doctors and Dr. Diego is my guy that said that after I was uh, um, in the hospital, before I came into the hospital, he, I took this test and he told me that there was something wrong. And he said he needs to follow up. And so that's what happened. We followed up. I had uh, the cancer treatments and all that stuff. And then <laughs> it's amazing that God would just save me. You know, I mean, not just save me. I, I'm not saying me. I'm saying everybody that's been through cancer and and survived, you need to take off your hat and praise God because yep. that, that's the whole nine yards. Yep. Gotcha, GB. Well, let's talk about this book. I, I'm very intrigued. This is really cool stuff. Tom and I are huge history guys. Okay. Uh, we talked about this off air prior to the show. Uh, Glory, the struggle for yards. And we're going to highlight specifically four players here, but Gary, give us a little backstory uh, on the why behind this book and, and uh, you know, some of these players. I, I, I just, I don't want to make any assumptions. I know, I know the answer, but I want you to share that with our viewers right now. Sure. Well, you know, Burl Toler and the rest of the guys that were members of that foursome, they were some amazing guys. They did some things that we never knew about. And we're just now finding finding out about what what they're doing. Burl Toler was uh, uh, the uh, an officiator uh, that played in the same uh, AFC Championship game that I was. I was there. He was an he was official an officiator. I'm sorry. Excuse my guys. I got this little stroke thing going on. <laughs> no, you're good. But anyway, you know those are some of the guys and the list that you gave me uh, of the guys. We can go through them and and. Uh, just have a great time at doing it. Yeah, let's, let's do it. I, I, the backstory, like, Gary, that's why I love talking to you. I mean, like, th this type of stuff, when Tom see this, we, we knew a little bit about some of these things, but you're bringing awareness, what some of these guys went through to get where they where they were, where they where they got to. So let's let's just kick it off, man. Let's go ahead, Burl, Burl Toller. Let's talk about Burl. So uh, talk about this, this young man right here. Well, Burl had so much going on. He was a television guy. He did, you know, of course he played football and, and, and he was a, a 
a um, officiator and he was like, he was an amazing guy because, you know, he played football so good that the racism and all that other stuff didn't bother him whatsoever. He, he just kept going. And, and that's the story that people don't know about. They learn how much hatred that people had about football players. That was something, something that just made no sense to me. And that's why I started investigating the book and getting ready to write the book. And so he was, he was one of the first. Let's, let's talk about, so he, so in 1965, he was the first African-American referee for the AFL. Exactly. That was the, that was the absolute first black official in any North American sports in, exactly. in baseball, basketball. He was the first. Oh man. Yes. And, and, and he, he was good at what he did. Wow. I'm seeing the picture for the first time. That's, that's him. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I mean, and Tom made a good comment earlier. I mean, Tom, what was the, we, I, I initially said the NFL and you, you immediately said, Hey, it had to be the AFL, right? Well, I, I would have thought it was the AFL and, and it was because the AFL in the sixties uh, was much more forward thinking about these types of things. Uh, the owners, the players, and then, you know, later on at the, at the very end of the decade, when, when Paul Brown came in uh, as, as owner and, and head coach of the Bengals, because Gary and I were talking before the show, uh, it, you know, it didn't matter when it came to the game of football to Paul Brown, it was, could you do your job? Yeah. And, you know, he brought in a generation after there'd been a long period of some of the guys we're going to talk about, but he brought in, you know, Marion Motley to his Cleveland Browns and Bill Willis to his Cleveland Browns. And, you know, they all always mark, I believe Marion Motley was a uh, Paul Barrett at his funeral. So uh, they thought so much of, of, of each other, but uh, yeah, now the, uh, the AFL was which much further ahead of, it, of any other league when it came to these sorts of things in race relations. Yeah. So let, let's go. So Burl Toller, uh, again, just very cool stuff there. Let's, let's do a little bit of backstory. Uh, Tom, you and I were talking about this with Gary pre-show. Let's talk about Henry McDonald um, and, and the story around this guy. Um, GB, you okay talking about uh, about Henry for a second? Sure. Henry was an amazing um, running back. And I read some things about him, and that's what that's got me started on researching on this book. And I learned so much about him that it was amazing. And, 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 I, and I want some of these kids um, to learn – the history of not only the African-American players, but, but how they got to where they were. I mean, if, 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 if kids can see that they got $15 a game leading up to $50 million, how did they get there? And I want kids to know about that. They, they, they have no idea of how it came. So that's where we're at with the rock and roll guy. Like I said, we, talk, we, we talked about him for so much and um, so much we learned in this game. I mean, in this uh, book and I want to make sure that you guys get a copy of it so we can uh, all enjoy this. Yeah. So, so Henry, Henry McDonald. So this guy right here, they, he played for the Oxford pros, I think in 1911, uh -huh. they called, they called him, they called him motorcycle McDonald. Cause back then 
he ran 100 yards in 10.2 seconds. And the world record at that time was 10 seconds. This guy could fly. <laughs> this guy could flat out fly. So, Tom, tell, tell the story of what happened when uh, he played for the Oxford Pros and they went over to play Canton, uh, I think, in 1917, I think it was. And there was a little altercation. I think he was he was running a sweep, and he was tackled uh, rather hard uh, for just going out of bounds, and some very unpleasant words came out of uh, uh, the the Canton defender, a guy by the name of Greasy Neal, who made his mark in Cincinnati. I believe he played for the Reds and may have even been a part of that 1919 World Championship team for the Reds. But uh, he said that, and... Jim Thorpe, who, being a Native American, had gone through his own fair share of, of prejudice and so forth, came over and got between him and, and told Greasy Neal, we're just here to play ball. We're just here to play ball today. That's it. Nothing else. So, uh, you know, evidently it meant a lot to, to Henry McDonald, you know, going forward. And you know, Jim Thorpe was one of the, the true pillars of the National Football League and, and really all athletics. Greatest athlete of the first half century. Jim Thorpe stepped in and broke that up. That's just awesome. That's just a cool story. Hey, now let me ask you a quick question, guys. Jim Thorpe, what did he do after that? After football? He was uh well, he, he played in some he played professional baseball. He played uh football and he coached, I believe, a little bit for what then became the National Football League. Uh he, he played, I think, to the mid-20s. He was still like first team all pro in, in what became the NFL. And I believe he coached a little bit uh, after that. And then then I think he, he fell on some very, very hard times. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah. He, you know, he made me look that up real quick as you were doing it. Just uh, Wikipedia. He played for the Cleveland Indians for one year. Uh, guy was a football base. He was an athlete for sure. Well, you know, um, what was the, 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 uh, the player, not the player, but the, the, um, the actor that did play Jim Thorpe. I can't think of his name. Burt Lancaster. Lancaster. Yeah, yeah. That guy was amazing in that show, man. You, you know, you just <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> All right, so we, we, we got Burl and we got Henry, but here's here's one of my favorites that, that, as we were looking up some stuff pre-show. Uh, let's talk about, if you could, uh, GB, Gary, uh, Chris Pollard. Well, yeah, uh, let me inter uh, come back with you just for a second. Sure. Uh, John Wooten, who was uh, one of my favorite uh, coaches, uh, not coaches, but play favorite players, and he was um, he was also my sports agent. And he started the Fritz, the Fritz Pollard uh, organization. So I wanted to throw that in so when we start about Fritz Pollard. He's an amazing man. And he did some of the things that will, you know, like he was an actor. He was a uh, radio producer. He was a writer. I mean, this guy did some of everything. And a lot of kids don't know that. And, and again, I say, I hope that they learn so they can go on and be better athletes and be better people in general. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so Fritz was the first black all-American running back, first ever African-American running, uh, all-American running back in college. Mm -hmm. uh, the first NFL black head coach. 
I think it was the Akron Pros. Yes. Uh, and the NFL kind of absorbed some of those other teams in 1922. So uh, what what else you know about Fritz? I mean, there's all kinds of this guy's The guy was did everything. I, I mean, I'm going to ask you to read the book a little bit more, but to listen to this guy, I had some tapes and I, and I read the book, read some of the book, and he just did everything. I mean, you know, if, if you can imagine somebody doing everything, that was Fritz Pollard. He never, he never uh, stopped until he was gone. He died. Uh, yeah, I, you know, Gary, I've been reading some of the things. There, there were a lot of his peers, uh, guys that played against him, guys that coached against him, that insisted until their death that Fritz Pollard was the best running back they ever saw. That's what they said. And uh, the, the guy, uh, John Wooten, can, can, can ditto that. And, and I'll get you guys on his show one day if you want to. And uh, we'll go a little further with Fritz Pollard and uh, some of the other guys. Jim Brown and Fritz Pollard were teammates. I mean, Jim Brown and uh, John Wooten were teammates in Cleveland with Paul Brown. So some of these stories, man, it, they just lead to other things. And we want to do that. And we want you guys to be a part of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, here, here's what I know we wanted to hit four of these guys, and then we'll kind of tell everybody about where, you know, how long it's going to take for this book to come out and how we can all grab it here. But okay. uh, Charles Hollis, uh, Follis, I'm sorry, I mispronounced that name. Uh, here's a here's a picture of him right here. So tell us a little bit about this guy right here. Charles is a great running back. And uh, what I can say is this, uh, from reading the book, he never stopped. This guy, I mean, he could do it all. And he didn't care about racism. He didn't care about anything but helping his teammates become successful. And when they come, when they become successful, everybody comes out better. Yeah. Good stuff. So, GB, we, we got a question for you. So this book's coming out. It's going to be published in two weeks. Uh -huh. So we, we will be sharing that link when it becomes available. There's not pre-order right now going on. Uh, but here's the cover of the book, uh, Glory, the Struggle for Yards. Tom, what, what were you Thanks. saying about this cover art, brother? I'm, you and I are on the same page with this. Well, the first <laughs> thing, Gary, is how do, we get a, how do we get a print of that picture? That is awesome. That is <laughs> awesome. Well, I tell you what, one of the fundraisers that we're doing for the book is um, – our celebrity golf tournament. And I will send you information out on that, but I'll also send you guys a copy of the, uh, the, the photo. Oh, that, that photo is awesome. So you got yeah. no problem at all. No problem. But we were, we were looking, looking at that picture uh -huh. and to get back into your time with the Bengals, you got Jim LeClaire, Reggie Williams, Marvin Cobb, and yourself. We've had, you know, a lot of guys that have played with you on there. And a lot of guys have said, and it kind of surprises, not that we didn't know he was already tough, but that Jim LeClaire, even oh. Pete Johnson said this, Jim LeClaire was the single toughest football player they ever played with. Well, his his nickname was Jacques, Jacques LeClaire. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he was one of, like you said, he was one of the toughest. I, I've never been hit so hard in practice like Jim LeClaire. He was one of the meanest, nicest guys 
that you could ever have. He would help guys get up after he pummeled them. And just do everything that he could do to be a successful ball player. He, I was so sad when he passed away. And uh, his wife, Betty, called me and um, let me know what was going on with him. We've been keeping in touch with, with each other on Facebook and that kind of thing. But Jim was just an amazing guy. Uh, Pete, Pete Johnson can tell you the same thing about Jim because they practiced together every day and got the poop knocked out of them. Yeah. But uh, those guys, you know, we're going we're gonna to honor them with a scholarship at Miles College where my wife um, teaches, I mean, where she's the president. And basically what's going to happen is Paul Brown, uh, Coach Majors, uh, Coach um, Greg, Forrest Greg, they, they get um, honored with a scholarship, but five kids will get a $1,000 scholarship a year until we can refur refurnish the money. We're up to $40,000 now, so we got enough to take care of that. But what we want to do is just keep raising money, keep having events and that type of thing where kids can grow up at uh, Pro Start Academy, our, our, uh, our football academy, where we teach uh, academics, and we teach uh, football fundamentals. So you guys got to play in the golf tournament. I will invite you as my guest, and we'll make that happen. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right, GB, let's 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 change it up a little bit here, brother. The okay. book stuff's awesome. I, I just got a sneak peek at the book like literally a couple hours ago. Mm -hmm. um, the stories that I've never heard before, the awareness of what these guys went through, I'm excited. Uh, when we when this book comes out, we'll make sure we push this pretty hard for you, GB, and, and get the message out for you and and uh, educate this younger generation and help people understand what these guys went through uh, to, to 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 play a sport they loved at the end of the day. Thank you. Thank you for doing that, so, guys. And, and uh, I'll be forever grateful for you helping us put this thing together. And like I said, keep in mind, the golf tournament is coming up in October. The book will be here in two weeks. And uh, anything else we can do for you guys, let me know. If you need some other people to come on the show or whatever, I'm glad to help. All right, GB. Hey, we're not done with you. You got another couple minutes? Yeah, of course. All right. So we got to talk about the web. Let me play. We're going to play a quick video here. So so there are so many people. I know it's been a couple of years since you, you've been on a year and a half, two years. You were on with us and we, we talked about the web and we got so many messages from people like, who weren't around and got to see you guys play during that time and how damn good you guys were. <laughs> so I'm going to play a, just a short video. And, and okay. after I come out the video here, Tom, uh, kind of open up the conversation on this. So we're going to go to a, a quick uh, minute and a half video uh, about uh, GB and his uh, defensive line mates here. The cornerstone of the Bengal defense was the defensive line, which was a fine blend of experience and youthful exuberance. The pass rush poured in on opposition quarterbacks from all sides with experienced hands like defensive ends Ken Johnson, number 80, and 10-year veteran Coy Bacon, number 79. Cincinnati defenses of the future will be anchored by three strong young linemen. Second-year defensive end Gary Burley of Pittsburgh, number 67, is a coming NFL star. While at the tackle positions, 
The two top draft choices of 1977 will be chasing down NFL quarterbacks for years to come. Although they were only rookies in 77, it was tough to fool number 73, Eddie Edwards, and number 75, Wilson Whitley. With a brilliant pair of young tackles to build around, Bengals defenses will be founded on strength far into the future. Wow. What a great piece, man. Thank you so much. Tom. I forgot all about that. <laughs> Whitley, Edwards, Burley, and Bacon. And then when Coy was was traded, I get the, the other B became Browner. Yeah. I guess for for several years or like that. But I mean that was in the late 70s. That was that was the strength of the team, wasn't well, it? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you because you know when you build a defensive line, defense and offensive line, that's the that's the the PowerPoint of your game. Wilson Whitley, Eddie Edwards, Ross Browner, and myself, we did something that nobody else was doing. You know, guys were playing all the time, but we had such a a mixture of players that it almost it brought me to tears to see some of these guys just keep going I, and i'm saying like how can wilson willie eddie, eddie edwards and ross browner and coy bacon be so good and i i got a little nervous i'm saying like well i gotta get better i gotta do this i gotta do that and we did and unfortunately um wilson passed away um let's see ross passed away and Eddie and I are the only two left from the web. So we keep in touch all the time. And uh, you, you need to get Eddie on the show, too. Yeah. Hey, hey we G, had Eddie we on gotta... the show once. He, he, threatened, he threatened Jimmy. He was going to come run Jimmy down. So <laughs> we don't know if Eddie will come back with us or not. But... Well, maybe we'll change that and get somebody else to come. No, no, AGBA. <laughs> he, he was mad because I found a picture of him. His hair was a mess. Oh my God. And he called me, he called me out. I see, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come hunt you down, Jim. I'm going to come hunt you down for sharing that. <laughs> hey, so Jimmy, check this. This is a great question here, man. Uh, you, you were talking about Wilson Whitley. Brandon from Port, Portsmouth, Ohio um, was talking about the web and Wilson Whitley died so young. Uh, any, any story about Wilson that you're able to share? Well, Wilson, played at uh, Houston, played at the University of Houston. And he was one of the greatest defensive linemen. If we could all stay together for, for whatever reason, um, we would play together for at, least, for at least 10 years. I mean, that, that was the, the way I felt that we could do it. But um, he was a cap, the captain. I, let me see. I, I can't say captain. He was one of the top players at Houston, University of Houston where he was drafted from with the Bengals. And he was just a great player. I mean, I can't say anything about him but being a good player. You got another one, Jimmy? Or? No, go ahead, Tom. Okay. You know, Gary, when we talk to, to other sports writers and we've, we've talked to some of your peers from other teams, I always found it, you know, as, as a child, everybody is afraid of certain things. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy's still afraid of snakes to this, this day. It's it's a it's a running joke around here. But for me, the thing that intimidated me and scared me was the Pittsburgh Steelers of the seventies. <laughs> but okay, you're with me. But but you know, one of the things, remarkable things, is talking to the writers, and we've interviewed some of the guys from those teams and so forth, and and listened to other people talk and and you know secondhand. The Steelers are always they're always referring to this, even though they didn't like the Bengals, even though Chuck Knoll and Paul Brown had their problems and so forth. They weren't worried about the Raiders or the Cowboys or or the Dolphins. They truly felt that if they could get by the Bengals, they were going to be okay. They were going to go on a Super Bowl run. You know, uh, what they're playing those guys. Oh, my God. Well, I'll tell you a, a, a short little story here. Remember Dwight White? Sure. Okay. Well, my senior year at Pitt, Dwight White was like my mentor. And we worked out every day with Dwight White, Ernie Holmes, Elsie Greenwood, and I can't think of the other guy's name. But I learned so much from just watching these guys, being out on the same field with them and practicing with them and eating with them and running with them, working out the whole nine yards. And Dwight became one of my best friends. And that's how the um, the, the Steelers, um, how many Super Bowls did they go to too? They won four that decade. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, wow. Okay, never mind. I'm sorry. I didn't say. Yeah, but they did. They did four Super Bowls, and uh, the guys all came back to Pittsburgh, and I got a chance to to see a lot of the guys and hang out with them and still work out. So to that to this day, I will never ever um, I will remember always of how those four guys got together and played as long as they did and played successfully, and uh, love them. I love those guys. Yeah. Hey, 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 Gary, let's there. I want you to share a couple stories. It's like you went out of your way as a player. Tom shared a story before we got an, on air today. Uh -huh. uh, Tom, share that story about the chin strap. <laughs> well, that was when Gary Gary was a Falcon. It uh, was that your last year in the league, Gary? One year. Yeah, uh, after nine years, I, I, I came to uh, I was traded to Atlanta and I played there for a total of 10 years. and that was amazing. I mean, I just had a good time and, you know, it was time to go. But after that game, I had uh, one of, you know, essentially he was family to me, but uh, somebody that sat with uh, my dad and I in our seats, he'd been a, a security guard uh, in, his, in his younger age. So he could still get down. So toward the end of the game, he said, you know, come on, we're going to get down. We get down and you were coming off the field. The Bengals did win. And uh, but, you know, talk to you for half a second. You couldn't have been nicer. I, I'd have thought you'd have won the game as, as nice as you were. But, uh, you know, you gave me your chin strap, which which meant a lot to me. Uh, like like I told you before the game, unfortunately, I didn't clean it right. It hung in my room for forever, but I, I didn't clean it out uh, quick enough. And it, it's started to change colors a little bit uh, after you just played a full game. But, uh, it, you know, it certainly meant a lot. It, but you had that. Uh, you know, you had that reputation when you were here in town, very approachable, uh, you know, very nice, you know, 
you certainly didn't treat other quarterbacks like that. But, <laughs> you know, very nice, very approachable, and, you know, and a, a true credit to the city and to this franchise. And, you know, we hope you can get back up here soon. Oh, guys, thank you so much. I mean, I had the greatest time in Cincinnati. And to see all these people again and come through my illnesses and all that kind of stuff and still be a Bengals fan, I, could, I couldn't ask for anything else. You know, good I, stuff. being nice to people is, is just what I do. You know, I've always been a nice person. I always try to be nice, treat people. My mother used to say, treat people like you want to be treated yourself. So that was my motto. You know, that's mm -hmm. the way I got it. All right, so here's a story, Gary, that somebody's putting in a chat area. There's no freaking way I would remember this, but we're gonna we're gonna see if you do. Okay. So Ron Boyle, a good friend of ours, uh, said Gary uh, got our Bengal bug, I guess a Volkswagen, in the Spinney right. Field in 1981 uh, for my brother Tim. Tim painted it. Gary got all the Bengal players and even Paul Brown to come over out out and sign that Volkswagen bug. So, do you remember that at all, Gary? Unfortunately, I don't, but, you know, that <laughs> with my mind right now, it's kind of, but I do remember, let me go back for just one second. Sure. I do, the thing that I most remember was when we came to the AFC championship game and we saw these four guys with their shirts off and it spelled B-E-N-G-E-L-S. And I just looked out and when I looked out, Seeing those guys, I looked out and I saw somebody, I don't know if it was a Volkswagen or not, but they were driving over the frozen Ohio River. And I'm going like, why are you doing that? So at the at the at the game, the game was over, the countdown of the game was over, we we'd won. And I heard somebody say, the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to the Super Bowl. And I just, I just, I just went nuts. I'm going like, oh my God. So make a long story short, I know you guys don't have all the time in the world, but We're the other thing that happened was when we got to the Super Bowl, Diana Ross was standing on the sideline beside me singing, getting ready to sing the national anthem. And I was sitting there and I looked at, her like oh my god diana ross is sitting right here and she's just cool as hell and she's just sitting so she saw that saw the uh, she went to do the uh national anthem and uh i'll never forget that those three things happened the guys with the shirts the people uh driving over the frozen river and then coming over to the super bowl those are two of the three of the highlights of my life all right, Gary. So we got another question, Brandon. Again, a lot, a lot of there's a couple of people asking. Do you remember who you got traded for when you went to when you went to uh, Atlanta? Yeah, I did. I got traded uh, from the Bengals to Atlanta. Had a good opportunity to play there again, and um, they were just good people. Man. I mean, the Falcons um, a lot different than than the Bengals because the Bengals were in a winning format. And the Falcons were building. So I got a chance to to meet a lot of guys, play with a lot of guys, and that's how I got to the Falcons. You, so was you, it wasn't a trade for another player or something? You were just done with your contract? Or? Uh, 
I, I, actually, I don't remember. Jimmy, I'm that guessing the way the Bengals traded back then, it was probably for a draft pick. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to get away with <laughs> yeah. without getting a draft pick. Yeah, too funny. All right, so one more thing. we gotta got to get you to – I know you've shared – you've got so many Paul Brown stories, Gary. So give us – Give us a fun one that the, our viewers would love. Something funny. PG thirteen GB PG thirteen. We got a lot of young viewers too. Uh, but uh... <laughs> Paul, 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 Paul was just an amazing guy. That's all I can say. And the story, the funniest story that that uh, I can tell you with with the PG people, um, <laughs> Paul. We had a bunch of guys making a lot of noise, and and uh, all of a sudden, Paul Brown opens the door real close, and everybody was in there, you know, running around doing whatever they wanted to do before practice. And when the door opened, Paul Brown walked through the aisleway, and what he said was he had a car that was parked in his parking space and another guy was parked in his space. So, so Paul goes, he walks through the room, everybody quiets down and he goes, somebody in the car, in, in their car with the license plates tag, Ziggy one, whatever the number was on there, move it just like that. The guy got so scared that he got out of the parking space and left. All the guys got back in control and just sat there and listened to Coach Brown. That was the hardest, one of the toughest guys I've ever met because he, in addition to all the things that he did for football and inventing chin straps or whatever it was, I forget what he did, but um, when he came out of that room, came into that room and shut up everybody, I mean, there was not a person in the room that would talk after he said what he said so that's so wasn't, so wasn't that the wasn't that the union rep who was getting in there to talk to the players that's that wasn't who it was. that's who it was yeah <laughs> and it, the union rep parked parked in Paul's spot <laughs> that's good we've heard that we've heard that before that's funny that's too let me, good let me tell you one more thing you know sure it's funny um we had practice every day at um three o'clock and I decided that I was going to go to lunch and I left lunch at, uh, and when I got back from lunch, they moved, they moved practice up early to one thirty. So coach Greg, Oh, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? Yeah. So it wasn't pretty. Sudden, no. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you know, here I am riding. I think all I got to do is just go get dressed and blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, they moved practice back from three o'clock to one thirty. Can you imagine the fear in my heart <laughs> when I was driving up through the parking lot? So I go inside, I run inside and I came with a, the most speed I've ever had in my life to change clothes. And when I came back, everybody was all already on the field, warming up or whatever they were doing. 
So I figured, oh, you know, I'm good. I ain't got to worry about this. So as soon as I get down and start stretching, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. Coach, Coach Greg yelled at me. I almost peed in my pants. I was that scared. So he came out and he said, don't you ever do this. That, blah, 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 blah. So I said, oh, I know, Coach, I know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I got dressed. I mean, I got on the field and, and that was it. We never said anything else about it after that. But I tell you, that was one man, two men, Paul and him, that I feared. I, I mean, I definitely feared those guys. I, I was just going to ask you, Gary, who would have been worse Whew. to have have crawling all over you, Forrest Gregg or Paul Brown? I'm told that sitting through films with Paul Brown, even if you guys won big, was was not a happy Monday morning. No, it was not. I mean, Paul, Coach Brown, um, God rest his soul. He was he was a we call it a um, not a mathematician, but a, anyway. Make a long story short, he did everything by the book. Every every all the all the film, all the players' moves, everything that guys did, he was on top of all that. And I didn't you know I didn't know how he could do the, some of the things that he did. I mean, he was the guy that made everybody got everybody's attention that's that's one thing that i can tell you and he did it in a way where there was no there was no no need to ask him to do anything because he told everybody what to do when to do and how to do so i love that guy i always love him and respect him and uh rest in peace yeah good stuff all right hey gb i tell you what man i know we got you longer than we told you Thank you so much for being with us. And, and, and again, just to remind everybody, uh, Glory, the struggles for yards, we talked a little bit about here earlier today. Uh, when that is published here in a few weeks, that link's available. We will be sharing that on all our social media knows. platforms. Yeah, we. that is a book you need to add to your your, your library for sure. Uh, so some really cool stuff in there. Um, so, GB, man, we appreciate you, man. It means a lot. Uh, thanks for being part of this. And, again, like we always tell you, man, we – we love talking to the Bengal OGs, the Bengal legends, man, because we don't want today's fans to forget about those guys from the 70s and 80s either, man. So we appreciate you very, so much, GB. You know that. Well, thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you guys another time. And, and again, if I can help you uh, recruit other players, don't hesitate to ask. GB, I'll be calling you, brother. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks, big dog. See you, buddy. Thank you. Happy Easter. Thank you. Yeah. Same to you. He's fantastic. Uh, just the best dude. So I didn't get a chance to talk about uh, Bobby Burley, his wife. Uh, she was uh, with us prior to the show starting. And uh, man, I tell you what, those two are just the, the the best people in the world. So you can tell just by hearing Gary talk what kind of person he is, man. So it's it's good stuff. Um, hey, let's let's change the gears a little bit here. Uh, let's talk about uh, again. I know uh, Jungle to the Hall, June 10th. We will be at the banks from uh, one to four o'clock that day. We have tons of players going to be down there. We're working out the details, guys. I know I keep telling you this, but this is a really big event down there for three hours. Uh, so uh, just stay tuned. Just save the date. Uh, doesn't look like we're going to be charging tickets or anything like that, but uh, we've got some other things we're trying to work through um, on some of this stuff. But stay tuned. We've still got more than two months. Uh, we're over two months away still from Jungle to the Hall. So that's going to be a blast, the biggest one yet. Um 
Let's talk some Bengal free agency, Tom. And uh, guys, anybody watching right now, throw out any any questions you have because we wanted to talk a little bit of free agency. But man, specifically, it seems like Joe Burrow, Tom, has made some tight ends the last few years a whole lot of money. Hayden Hurst this past year, CJ Uzama the year before, and now we got somebody else stepping in the, in the wings here. So talk about one of our new free agent signings, Irv Smith. Yep, Irv Smith Jr. Uh, great football bloodlines. And it came out of Alabama with that reputation of being able to catch the ball. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be called an elite blocker at all, but he certainly, um, when he's healthy, can catch the ball and help move the chains. But that's been the key. He has not been able to stay healthy these last couple of years. His injuries are not the type that, you know, will drag him down or hold him back in the future. Uh, they're not nagging injuries. He's completely healed and good, but um, he came in on a true prove it contract and the Bengals certainly got a true bargain, a second round draft choice, all American out of Alabama who played very well, as long as he could stay healthy up in Minnesota. He hasn't been the last two years and the Bengals signed him for a little under 2 million. He gets to 2 million with certain incentives, but a uh, fantastic sign for the Bengals. And he is truly enthusiastic to come here. He turned down, more money to play with his college QB to attack of Aloha in Miami to come here and play with the Bengals. He is completely betting on himself. He is very enthused to play with uh, Joe Burrow in this offense. And he feels he he's openly said he might be the last piece for this offense to get us to and win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about some of the guys here. They sign obviously Orlando Brown signing uh, there. There's, you know, there's still some work to do, and I think we also have the draft. Uh, we, we're going to see the Bengals draft a running back uh, probably not first round, second, maybe third round, but the Bengals will be drafting a running back here is what we're hearing as well, Tom. Yeah, between rounds two and four, I you know, I think once we get past the first round, a uh, a running back is a, is a big possibility, a probability. It, it, it's going to have to happen, and – and, you know, and who knows what else is going to happen. We're, we're starting to, you and I talked about a couple of times during the day, there are multiple reports that now that the Bengals and Joe Burrow have talking. Katie Blackburn said as much. She said, you know, just the beginning of talks. But now we're hearing that those talks may have progressed a little bit. And it sounds like Joe wants to be here. I know you and I want him here. I haven't talked to anybody who doesn't want him here. Uh, that includes my a very elderly aunt who would follow the Bengals scores. Uh, she's not very elderly, but uh, follow the Bengals scores, but would never watch a full game till Joe Burrow came to town. And now she watches every game, the whole game, just because of him. Uh, everybody wants him here. So that's the next step. And, you know, uh, we're going to have to ask one of our guests with a little more inside knowledge as to if some of the names that we've grown accustomed to are still going to be here come training camp because uh, there are ways to free up salary cap money uh, for both he and T Higgins. So we'll, we'll see what the future holds there, but no Irv Smith, a very solid signing. And I think that might be about it until maybe the draft or right after uh, they certainly need a tight end who can block, who can help with that inline blocking. If they don't get the right guy. Uh, they may want to, you know, call Drew Sample and see if they can get him back. Uh, Trey Flowers had a specific role. He was the Travis Kelsey killer. We didn't have him. 
in the AFC championship game this year. We lost the game. So uh, we'll see, you know, to add depth, special teams depth. And like I say, to help cover the, the tight end, which has historically been a Bengal weakness, you know, we may see Trey Flowers back. And I would not, you know, as every day goes on, free agent prices at this point drop. I wouldn't completely shut the door on Eli Apple. You have to have cornerbacks are probably, in, in my opinion, more important than edge rushers. Because with the way teams throw nowadays, if you don't have guys that can cover and rush the passer, but if you don't have guys that can cover, you have no chance on defense. And as we saw last year, we really got lucky when our top cornerback went down in, in Chitty. Um, you know, we had guys, you know, Cam Taylor Britt was able to to step in and we won a long running streak. We only lost one game and that was the AFC championship after that. So. Hey, know, Tom. And what's funny, uh, Orson. Orson G here, uh, he said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened like this, depending on who falls in that draft. He's saying round run off, round one offensive tackle, round two tight end, round three running back. That's a very real possibility. Who knows? Depending on what happens that first round, who slides? Who, who knows what is on their board, how they have guys ranked. Um, you know, uh, it, it depends on where they're ranked. But again, they put themselves in a position where, their board and the most talented player will dictate who they pick. Um, we, we really don't know what's going on with Jonah Williams. The Bengals haven't said anything. He said he wants to be gone. You know, it's uh, hopefully we're going to have some guests on here as the month progresses that can answer the question. What do you say to Jonah Williams? Do you sit him down and say, you know, listen, we understand. You feel you're a left tackle. You want a big contract. You wanted to prove it by playing left tackle for us this year. That's not going to happen. Our best our best team has Orlando Brown at left tackle. But we want you to transition to right tackle and help us get to and win a Super Bowl and show the league you're a top league tackle. Right tackles get paid, too. Uh, look what Mike McClinchy got from the, from the Broncos. Right. Yeah, you know, five years, four years or five years, $75 million. It was, it was, you know, right about what Orlando Brown got for us to play left tackle. So, you know, are they still figuring on Jonah coming back? We don't know. If not, trade him. You free up $12.6 million in salary cap room, which we know we can use, and get a pick. You know, but then I'm not sure. You know, that might be something that happens draft weekend. I don't know if you if you can trade Jonah till you have an answer at right tackle. You can't. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, with you. I'm not sure with Cody Ford there. God love him. Glad he was here. Love his attitude. You know, glad he came here. But, you know, I, I don't know if I'm willing to trust Joe Burrow's health with him quite yet. You know, is it Jackson Carmen? I thought Jackson played his tail off at left tackle last year. But, you know, how many different positions are we going to throw this guy in? Uh, and right. there's nothing wrong with having some quality depth at left tackle, too. So, yeah, I don't know if you can trade Jonah in, until you have everything settled at, at right tackle. Yeah, with you, with you. All right, let's go ahead and go right into this here. Let's go. It's the two-minute warning. <laughs> two-minute warning, Tom. Go ahead and kick us off, brother. Uh, we're off next week. Happy Easter to everybody. Happy Easter. Yeah. Have uh, have a safe and fun time with your family. Certainly, certainly hope you do. We will be back in two weeks, and we're going to need a lot of your help. We have. Uh, 
our friend who we, when we discovered him, he was simply deep fried, but Brian Bosarge from NFLDraftCountdown.com is our first guest. And Jimmy, uh, have you secured our second guest yet? Is that we do? Uh, Monty Monty Montague with the Cincinnati Bengals, the merchandise manager for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, is going to be with us uh, the following week uh, as well with Brian Bosarge. So he's going to talk about all the new stuff coming into the pro shop and timing and what's coming. And so Monty's a great dude. Monty runs the entire pro shop. So anything you see in the pro shop, Monty's the one setting all that stuff up. So we've got. Uh, Monty Montague from the Bengals and Brian Bosarge coming here in a couple weeks. And, and, and with both of those guys, any questions you're going to have, we're going to have, you know, we're going to talk to Brian and certainly ask him some questions on your behalf. But we also want your questions. And there are, with draft every year, there are a ton of questions. And are we allowed to go ahead and talk about our draft night schedule, Jimmy? Let's do it, brother. Go ahead and hit it. We will be on Thursday night, round one of the draft, 7 o'clock. We will have Brian Bosarge back from NFL Draft Countdown, the best place to go to for NFL Draft information on the web. Um, but Brian will be back with us for certain times. James, myself, and Brian, last-minute rumors, last-minute speculation, all the latest mocks, who they see being available at number 28 for us. And we will also have an on-site in Kansas City reporter I don't know if we can divulge his identity yet, but uh, he's on screen with me. Um, there's a hint, but uh, he'll be checking in. So please stay with us. Uh, first night of the draft, round one, check in with us about 7 o'clock. We'll, James and I will be on uh, taking you right up to the draft coverage on whichever network you choose to watch. Tom, my goal that day at the draft is to interview the commissioner and bring him on the show. So we'll, we'll see if I can make that happen. Does that mean I can't be on that night? You guys know how I feel about the commissioner. <laughs> hey, this is sitting right next to me. I think he knows how we feel about the commissioner. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the commissioner is not coming on. <laughs> ah, we'll get Brandon's going. We'll make Brandon. Uh, <laughs> we'll make Brandon uh, get him on. But guys, we appreciate everybody uh, being with us t- tonight. Uh, we will. Uh, have a great Easter next week. Spend time with friends and family. Enjoy your Easter. We'll see you the following week with uh, Monty Montague from the Bengals and, and Brian Bosarge. But we appreciate everybody uh, for being with us tonight. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. We'll see you Thank in two you weeks. Thank you so much. Who day? Who day, everybody.